Chapter Thirty Eight of the Wyvern Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Wyvern Mystery by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter Thirty Eight. Unreasonable Bertha. Her husband was at hand. That is to say under the same roof and at that moment in the room in which the blind woman was now sitting bleeding from head and hand and smiling as she talked with the false light of a malignant irony so husband and wife are met again and what have you to say after so long a time i have nothing to say let my deeds speak i've given you year by year fully half my income she laughed scornfully and exclaimed merely magnificent man miserable pittance it is but the more miserable the harder the sacrifice for me i don't say i have been able to do much but i have done more than my means warrant and i don't understand what you propose to yourself by laying yourself out to torment and embarrass me what the devil do you follow me about for you think i'm fool enough to be bullied a fine question from charles verfield of wyvern to his wife she observed with a pallid simper wife and husband are terms very easily pronounced said he and relations very easily made she rejoined he was leaning with his shoulder against the high mantelpiece and looking upon her with a countenance in which you might have seen disdain and fear mingling with something of compunction relations very easily made and still more easily affected he replied come bertha there is no use in quarrelling over points of law past is past as lenora says if i have wronged you anything i am sorry i've tried to make amends and though many a fellow would have been tired out long ago I continue to give you proofs that I am not. That is a sort of benevolence, she said in her own language, which may as well be voluntary, for if it not be, the magistrates will compel it. The magistrates are neither fools nor tyrants. You'll make nothing of the magistrates. You have no rights, and you know it. An odd country where a wife has no rights. Come, Bertha, there is no use in picking a quarrel while you take me quietly you have your share and a good deal more you used to be reasonable a reasonable wife i suppose gives up her position her character her prospects whenever it answers her husband to sacrifice these trifles for his villainous pleasures your english wives must be meek souls indeed if they like it i don't hear they are such lambs though i'm not going to argue law points as i said before lawyers are the proper persons to do that you used to be reasonable bertha where's the good in pushing things to extremes what a gentle creature you are she laughed and how persuasive i'm a quiet fellow enough i believe as men go but i'm not persuasive and i know it i wish i were those whom you have persuaded once are not likely to be persuaded again 
your persuasions are not always lucky are they you want to quarrel about everything you want to leave no possible point of agreement things are at a bad pass when husband and wife are so charles looked at her angrily for a moment and then down to the floor and he whistled a few bars of a tune what do you whistle for she demanded come bertha don't be foolish you were once a gentleman it is a blackguard who whistles in reply to a lady's words she said on a sudden stretching out her hand tremulously as if in search of someone to grasp well don't mind stick to one thing at a time for god's sake say what you want and have done with it you must acknowledge me before the world for your wife she answered with a resolute serenity and raising her face and shutting her mouth she sniffed defiantly through her distended nostrils come come bertha what good on earth could come of that little to you perhaps and none to you she laughed savagely that lie won't do bertha bertha we may hate one another if you will but is it not as well to try whether we can agree upon anything let us just for the present talk intelligibly you try to murder me you arch-villain nonsense said he turning pale how can you talk so how can you could i help interposing you may well be thankful that i did you tried to murder me she screamed you know that's false i took the knife from your hand and by doing so i saved two lives it was you not i who hurt your hand you villain you damned villain i wish i could kill you dead all the worse for you bertha i wish you were dead and cold in your bed and my hand on your face to be sure of it now you're growing angry again i thought we had done with storm and hysterics for a little and could talk and perhaps agree upon something or at all events not waste our few minutes in violence violence you wretch who began it what can you mean bertha you've married that woman oh i know it all i your lawful wife living i'll have you transported double-dyed villain where's the good of screaming all this at the top of your voice he said at last growing angry you wish you could kill me i almost wish you could i've been only too good to you and allowed you to trouble me too long ha ha you'd like to put me out of the way you'll do that for yourself can't you wait can't you listen can't you have common reason just for one moment what do you want what do you wish do you want every farthing i possess on earth and to leave me nothing i'm your wife and i'll have my rights now listen to me that's a question i need not discuss because you already know what i believe on the subject you know what your brother harry thinks i know what it is his interest to think 
you daren't say that if he were here you coward and i don't care a farthing what he thinks ha 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 but if it had been fifty times over what it never was a marriage your own conduct long ago would have dissolved it and you allow you have married that woman i shan't talk to you about it how i shall act or may act or have acted is my own affair and rely upon it i'll do nothing on the assumption that i ever was married to you up stood the tall woman with hands extended toward him wide open with a slightly groping motion as if opening a curtain not a word did she say but her sightless eyes which stared full at him were quivering with that nervous tremor which is so pleasant to see she drew breath two or three times at intervals long and deep almost a sob and then without speaking or moving more she sat down looking awfully white and wicked for a time the old soldier had lost the thread of her discourse charles heard a step not very far off he thought his unreasonable bertha was about to have a fit and opening the door he called lustily to mildred it was mrs tarnley will you get some water or whatever she ought to have i think she is ill and pray be quick with a dark prying look mildred glanced from one to the other it's in a madhouse and not here the like of her should be we them fits and frenzies she muttered as she applied herself to the resuscitation of the dutchwoman on her toilet was a little group of bottles labeled sal volatile asafoetida valerian i don't know which is the right one but this can't be far wrong she remarked selecting the sal volatile and dropping some into the water la so it was a sort of fit see how stiff she was lor bless us i do wish she was under a mad doctor see how her feet stuck out and her thumbs tight shut in her fists and her teeth set and old mildred applied the sal volatile vial to the patient's nostrils and gradually got her into a drowsy yawning state in which she seemed to care and comprehend little or nothing of where she was or what had befallen her tell her i stayed till i saw her better if she asks and that i'm coming back again she says she is hurt so much the better said mildred that will keep her from prowling about the house like a cat or a ghost as she did all night and no good came of it and will you look to her wrist she cut it last night and it is very clumsily tied up and i'll come again tell her so with a bewildered brain and a direful load at his heart he left the room where was alice he thought he went downstairs and up again by the back staircase to their room and there found the wreck and disorder of the odious scene he had witnessed still undisturbed and looking somehow more shocking in the sober light of morning from this sickening record of the occurrences of last night he turned for a moment to the window and looked out on the tranquil and sylvan solitudes 
and then back again upon the disorder which had so nearly marked a scene of murder how do i keep my reason thought he is there in england so miserable a man why should i not end it between the room where he stood and the angle of that bedroom in which at that moment was the wretch who agitated every hour of his existence with dismay there intervened but eight and twenty feet in that polyhedric and irregular old house if he had but one tithe of her wickedness he had but to take up that poker strike through and brain her as she sat there why was he not a little more or a little less wicked if the latter he might never have been in this present fix if the other he might find a short way out of the thicket hew his way out with a bloody axe and none but those whose secrecy he might rely on be the wiser avaunt horrible shadows such beckoning phantoms from the abyss were not tempters but simply terrors no he was far more likely to load a pistol put the muzzle in his mouth and blow his harassed brains out end of chapter thirty eight recording by john brandon